I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be rounding up the latest Arsenal-related transfer rumours. We're going to be talking Dusan Vlavic, who could be on the move again. Remember, Arsenal were heavily linked with him, of course, prior to his move to Juventus. Hasn't worked out as well as he'd have liked, I guess you could say, uh, when it comes to Dusan Vlavic. But I think Juventus's needs uh, could mean that Dusan Vlavic is up for sale this summer, which will be very, very interesting. Uh, we're also going to talk about Declan Rice. We're going to talk about Yuri and Timber. I guess we have to in every episode until they're bloody signed, because uh, we're going to try and uh, get to the bottom of what exactly is going on. Neither of those deals at the time of recording have been announced yet, although I do have the Arsenal Twitter page open to my right, and I'm keeping an eye on that because it wouldn't surprise me, knowing my luck, if Arsenal drops something uh, during the middle of this show. So um, we're going to keep across all of that. Big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat. Uh, so many of you with us already. It's really incredible uh, to see. We've got Viju, we've got Tom, uh, we've got Moss, we've got Raphael, the Italian Stallion, we've got RM Star, we've got AJ Envoy, Joey's here, Williams here, Maximus, Yatman, uh, Battle Gnome says, finally catch a live. Welcome, uh, my friend. Good to see you. We've got Kanan, who's joining us uh, from Bangkok. Uh, we've got um, Hawkwind, Maximius, uh, all the rest of you guys as well. Anthony's here. Uh, big hello to every single one of you. And thank you, as always, uh, for tuning in to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. Okay. Let's get into the Dusan Vlavic stuff, I guess. Um, let's start with that because... I'm not sitting here saying that Dusan Vlavic to Arsenal is on or that Dusan Vlavic sits at the top of Mikel Arteta's priority list or anything like that. So please don't take this as me reporting that Dusan Vlavic to Arsenal is a thing. But the reason I wanted to talk about this was because this is a player that Arsenal really, really liked not that long ago. A player that we understand Arsenal made contact with, a player that we understand Arsenal were keen to bring in to bolster their forward line. Now, I would argue that since then, the priorities at Arsenal have changed because Gabriel Jesus has come in as the centre-forward, has been magnificent, has really added a lot to the team, has improved our build-up play, has got the best out of Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard and pretty much everybody that plays around him. His energy is infectious. He's, he's just a brilliant, brilliant footballer, Gabriel Jesus. And I think he's added so, so much that now, looking at Dusan Vlavic, it doesn't feel like a priority. It doesn't feel like somebody... I'd be willing to break the bank on. But having said that, I think we can all agree that there were times last season where we looked at Arsenal's forward line and we thought, maybe we need a plan B. Maybe we need that player with greater physicality in terms of his size and strength and power, with more of a threat aerially. Maybe we need that if we're going to move forward and become an even better side than the side that we showed ourselves to be during the 22-23 campaign. And Dusan Vlavic ticks a lot of those boxes. When you think about what maybe Arsenal were missing at times in the front line, it was that powerhouse of a striker. It was that physical specimen of a striker, but also somebody that 
has those attributes and and that quality but can of course you know keep up technically as well because you need that you need the game intelligence that Gabriel Jesus has and Dusan Vlavic has a lot of those things I think one of the things that's one of the things that's regularly forgotten with him is that he's only 23 years old now there was a lot of expectation on him when he moved from Fiorentina to Juventus uh, it was understood that he only ever wanted that move to Juventus which made Arsenal's interest in him a non-issue at the time the fee that Juventus apparently uh, paid for Dusan Vlavic was said to be in total in the region of around about 80 million euros. Um, but we know that there have been a couple of issues uh, with regards to the transfer fees that Juve are reporting, etc., etc. So I'm not going to speculate on whether that's a correct fee or not, but that's the fee quoted uh, by most of the reputable sources, around about the 80 million euro mark. So Juventus went really, really big on this guy and Juventus made a really, really big investment. How has that investment paid off? Well, if you look back at uh, last season in Serie A, 27 appearances, 10 goals and two assists, which isn't exactly groundbreaking. I mean, it's decent, like just under one in three in terms of goals, uh, a couple of assists, not necessarily renowned for that, though. Dusan Vlavic, if you take it back to the 21-22 season, where he spent the second part of the season with Juventus, 15 games, seven goals, one assist. So eight direct goal contributions in 15 games. So that was a lot more productive. But where I don't want people to kind of fall off with the Dusan Vlavic kind of analysis or or to be led down the garden path with Dusan Vlavic is that his drop-off in numbers last season, I think, was largely down to Juventus, quite frankly, being poor, um, not being very creative, not being very adventurous under Max Allegri, playing a very rigid uh, sort of football that has just, you know, I think set Juventus back. I think there was a time when they got sorry in and OK, they didn't always get the same level of results and they weren't necessarily as formidable under Maurizio Sarri in terms of the wider, as in terms of how they were seen by the wider world. Of course, they were successful in Serie A, all the rest of it. But then there was Andrea Pirlo as well, who was again trying to change things up and trying to get Juventus playing a different way and a, a different style and, and trying to bring them basically into the modern times. And they they didn't want to stick with him either. And in the end, they went, of course, and got Dusan Vlavic in, who, for me, um, you know, they got Dusan, they got Allegri in. Sorry, I lost my trailer thought there. They got Allegri in. Um, who just changed the style of play back to what it was five, six, seven, eight years ago. And therefore, Dusan Vlavic doesn't really fit. Um, and I think Juventus know this. I think Juventus realise this. 63 games, 23 goals, six assists. That is his overall Juventus record as it stands. If you look at his record with Fiorentina, 108 games, um, 49 goals, so just less than one in two when it comes to Fiorentina. So how does a player of that quality produce more at Fiorentina than he does at Juventus? Obviously, because um, the, the style of play at Fiorentina got a lot more out of him. And the style of play at Juventus, I think, has really hampered Dusan Vlavic and, and sort of disrupted his development. Now, Juventus, generally speaking, probably do not want to let Vlavic go because he's still young and because of... Uh, where he is in his career because of what they invested in him, they will probably still feel like there's a player in there. 
But if you're going to persist with the same manager, if you're going to persist down the same road and they've got fines to pay and they're not going to be in Europe next season, which is going to have a big knock-on effect financially, then you would probably, in Juventus' shoes, consider selling Dusan Vlavic if the price was right, which is why I bring this up. Because according to Fabrizio Romano, Dusan Vlavic could be sold if an important offer, and that's what he says, an important offer, comes in. Should Arsenal be circling around this? Should Arsenal be tempted? Should Arsenal be interested? To me, this is totally dependent on what an important offer uh, is in terms of monetary value. Because I think if you're talking around the 50 to 60 million pound mark, if you think that we've taken that punt on Kai Havertz, if you think that we're paying, you know, what we're paying for Yuri and Timber, if you think about it that way, then I think actually I would be willing to do that. I think if I were Arsenal Football Club, I'd be willing to push that little bit further to try and make this deal happen, maybe try and stretch to making it happen. I really would. But I do fear that the relationship between Vlavic and Arsenal is a broken one because of how things went down that January when we were really, really heavily linked, when we were desperate for a striker um, and all the rest of it. So, um, yeah. We're going, to, um, we're going to have to wait and see how this develops and if indeed Dusan Vlavic does move on uh, from um, from Juventus. But I think this is one that Arsenal should be at least keeping across, a situation that they should at least be monitoring. I, I just think the circumstances at Juventus mean that this could be an opportunity for Arsenal. And I, I talked earlier on in the window about Arsenal's ability to operate and and sort of navigate the transfer market in two very different ways nowadays, which is something that has put them in a much stronger position moving forward. So the first thing is you go into the summer and you look at what your priorities are. Um, you look at what you need to do in terms of strengthening your squad and you go out and you do that business first and foremost. Your primary business, you get it done first. That's your first phase of the window. The second phase of the window is finding that balance again within your squad. So if you've brought players in, most of the time you probably need to let players go. You need to try and regenerate some of the money that you're spending, all of the rest of it. And then there comes a point where you have done the majority of your business, you've done the heavy lifting. Now it's about being reactive and it's about keeping across what's going on across the market, watching the domino effect that certain transfers can have and trying to capitalize, capitalize, I beg your pardon, on any opportunities that come your way as a result of that. That's phase three of the window for me. I wouldn't be surprised in phase three if Arsenal went out and got another forward player. Now, it might not necessarily be um, Dusan Vlavic, and it might not even necessarily be a centre-forward. I know a lot of fans would tell you that a right-sided forward is probably more important. I would argue that if you got someone like Vlavic in, you could use Jesus on the right-hand side to really, really good effect as well. But then, of course, that could have an impact on your relationship with Jesus. If Mikel Arteta's gone out there and sold him uh, the role of centre-forward for Arsenal and then you change that 12 months down the line, obviously that can be a problem. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just really, really interested to see where this goes, how this develops. And given that we were so interested in him in the past, it feels like we are going to, you know, we are going to be at least monitoring this 
Uh, whether it comes to anything is is something different. But I think that Arsenal will at the very least be across this and want to keep across what's going on with uh, with regards to the Serbian. What I would say is if I had to bet on where Vlavic was going to end up, um, my first bet would be on him staying at Juventus. My second bet would be on him going to Bayern Munich when they realise that, that Daniel Levy isn't going to budge on Harry Kane. And uh, they, of course, desperately need a striker. I would say that Vlavic is a different striker to Harry Kane. Um, which, you know, would maybe cause Bayern to think twice. But I think at 23 years old, in comparison to Harry Kane, who's at where he's at in his career, they might think that that's a more worthwhile investment and one that they can do at a much more reasonable price. Um, but yeah, just wanted to talk about Dusan Vlavic. I think he'd fit into the squad as a as another option up front. Whether he'd be happy playing that role, I don't know. Um, but I think when I go back to last season and I think about some of the post-match shows that we did, as much as we praised Gabriel Jesus and as much as he really, really dramatically improved the team, the forward line, its productivity and all of the rest of it, I think that we did at times lack that alternative type of striker. And Dusan Vlavic could be that. And all I'm saying is at this moment in time, if I were Arsenal, given that we've managed to manoeuvre ourselves into this position where we can spend money, and we've been able to bring our wage bill right down to allow us to do that, I think it would be foolish to not at least keep across what's going on with Dusan Vlavic, given that, however long ago, we were so uh, desperately interested in him. Uh, the other thing uh, is that, that, of course, you know, Arsenal fans feel quite strongly about Dusan Vlavic because uh, that they sort of feel like he snubbed Arsenal before, uh, opted to join Juventus over Arsenal, all of the rest of it. Look, I think, yeah, that, that would be a factor, but that would mean that you get Dusan Vlavic if he does come with his tail between his legs on your terms. And sometimes you can benefit from that because sometimes that puts you in a negotiation position of strength from the off and you can broker a much better deal for your club um, and, and much better terms with the player from Arsenal's perspective because of that strength of position when going into those conversations. So we'll have to see. Um, we'll have to see. But yeah, um, really, really interesting stuff. I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen with Dusan Vlavic. And so although I'm not saying um, this is going to happen, I think if I were Mikel Arteta and I were Edu uh, over the summer and I was out there doing my barbecue, I'd be at the very least just um, just keeping tabs on, on how this situation develops. Let's take some of your uh, comments on this because I know... Um, a lot of you uh, don't agree and a lot of you would um, sort of actually not welcome the signing uh, of Dusan Vlavic. Um, Paul says, if we could get him for under 45 million euros, it would be around what he's worth. But does Vlavic really want to play for us? If it's a transfer of convenience, no thanks. Uh, Tom says, Vlavic took us for a dance all January last year when he never actually was interested in any club but Juventus, he can stay there. We only want players that want us. Um, what else have we got? Uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, lots of you echoing what Tom says in the comments with regards to Dusan Vlavic. I don't think... Um, I don't think that... Um, that people are <laughs> too keen, uh, generally speaking. Um, Razak, let me bring this one up. Uh, yeah, Razak Adam says, do we need him? If I may ask, is he better than our forwards? I wouldn't say he's better than Gabby Jesus, but I'd say he's different. And sometimes you need different because 
think about it this way, right? The, the options that we currently have are this at our disposal at centre forward. Let's let's break them down. So you've got Jesus, you've got Enketia, who isn't a carbon copy of Jesus, but it's quite similar in his build. It's quite similar in that one of his biggest strengths is his ability to press and work hard. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's hard to really judge Enketia because we don't get to see that much of him in in the first team. We don't get to see that much of him with Saka and Martinelli, for example, and Odegaard behind him. We got a good look at him last season during the time Jesus was injured, and I thought he did okay, um, relatively well. Um, but he brought a lot of the same attributes that Jesus did just maybe not at the same level. Balogun is another one who is in the picture at the moment. Whether he stays in the picture by the time the transfer window closes, I don't know. He is on the pre-season tour uh, with Arsenal and all the rest of it, um, which is obviously great because it means that Mikel Arteta can have a good look at him. Um, I would say that Vlavic has proven himself to be as good, if not better, than following Balogun over the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, Balogun went to France did really, really well. But I think Vlavic has been doing it in Serie A for that little bit longer. And so I would say he's more of a sure thing. I know, again, people in the chat, I'm sure would disagree with that. Um, but it's not about him being better necessarily. Obviously, you want to always bring in better players. But for me, a lot of this is about him being different and giving us a different dimension and giving us a different option tactically, which I think Arsenal are going to need as they continue their development as a side. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Marco De Sanctis says, I feel like he's an upgrade on both Eddie and Balogun. But again, it's about personality. Yeah, and personality is a big thing. And this is the other thing, right? Because I think what happened that January when Arsenal were really heavily linked with Dusan Vlavic was that his representatives were taking Arsenal for a ride, more so than Dusan Vlavic, the individual. Now, you could say that that's the same thing, that the agent works for Dusan Vlavic, all the rest of it, and you'd have a very, very valid point. But um, at this moment in time, I find it really, really difficult to sit and, and ask serious questions about his attitude when I don't know that he's got a bad attitude. I think he's currently playing in a difficult environment at a club where there's a hell of a lot going on off the pitch that is having a knock-on effect on the pitch. And, um, and I just think that Juventus isn't the environment that maybe he thought it was going to be. He wanted to be the striker that went to Juventus and took Juventus back up to the very top. He wanted to be the guy that they could rely on, the guy that would carry them back into, um, you know, first place when it comes to Italian football. And that hasn't really happened. But I don't think you can pin that on Vlavic. I think that's, that's Allegri related. I think it's Agnelli related. I think it's... Um, you know, related to the club as a whole. And um, and so I, I, I don't want to just jump to conclusions and say, well, this guy's got a bad attitude um, on on the basis of just speculation, I guess. Uh, Delisu says, Harry, I wouldn't want Vlavic at our club. He snubbed us. I only want people who want to play for the Arsenal. So lots of you uh, not, um, not keen on this idea. Uh, all I'm saying is keep an eye on it. Let's see what happens. Let's see if he does become available. And if he does become available at a reasonable price, I think at the very, very minimum, at the very, very least, this is something that Arsenal should consider. OK, um, what else we got? What else we got? Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about midfield. Uh, Arsenal, of course, closing in on the signing of Declan Rice. It's not done yet. Uh, closing in on the signings uh, of Yuri and Timber too. Uh, but... 
I think you could still make a case that we need more in midfield. And one of the names that's been banded about, a name that seems to be linked with us every summer at the moment, is that of Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, uh, who, of course, um, plays his football currently, maybe not for much longer, at Lazio in Serie A. Uh, really, really sought-after player. I've said to you guys in a recent episode on here that I felt recently that his level just dropped off. Like, I don't look at... Sergei Milinkovic-Savic and think he's the same Sergei Milinkovic-Savic that we were talking about two, three seasons ago. And that means that I'm not sure he'd be a good fit for Arsenal. Obviously, his contract situation with just a year left means that he's probably available or is available this summer for a reasonable price because Lazio need to get the money in. But um, to me, the ship has sailed for Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. I've been saying that for a little while. And so I wasn't surprised to read today uh, that he looks like he's on his way to Al-Hilal in Saudi Arabia, uh, the latest of the big name European players uh, looking to make that move over there. As I say, year left on his contract. Lazio have received an offer, according to reports, of 40 million euros for a player going into the last 12 months of his contract. And the Serb himself has been offered 20 million euros per year by the way of a salary. So you can understand why he'd be interested in that as well. But this should be the end of the Arsenal slash Sergei Milinkovic-Savic chat for good now, because he is seemingly on his way, uh, of course, to Al-Hilal in Saudi Arabia. I uh, also just wanted to touch on Matt Turner's heroics playing for the US, uh, a couple of penalty saves uh, against uh, Canada. And it, it brings up the question, doesn't it, of whether... At some point, if we did get to a penalty shootout, Mikel Arteta would consider bringing Matt Turner on uh, to try and work some of his magic because he's got an unbelievable record. It's almost a one in two in terms of saves from penalty kicks faced, which is remarkable for a goalkeeper. Um, I still have question marks about Matt Turner. I think he's a great shot stopper, but I think there are a lot of parts of his game that just don't live up to the level of Aaron Ramsdale. So I think his distribution is not as good um, as Aaron Ramsdale's. I think, you know, there are a lot of things where he falls short in comparison uh, to um, to Ramsdale, but I, I still think he's a decent backup goalkeeper. And when you read things like that, you can understand what it was that attracted Arsenal to him in the first place. But yeah, um, Matt Turner making saves from penalty kicks for fun. Um, just wanted to quickly touch as well on the squad uh, lots of picks going round over the last few days of the Arsenal squad heading over, of course, to Germany, to Nuremberg, uh, where the Adidas HQ is uh, for them to uh, get some pre-season work in. And of course, um, they've got that game coming up on Thursday. Uh, somebody asked me in the live chat if we're going to be doing a live commentary uh, of that game. I'm not, unfortunately, because um, I have a really, really important uh, work meeting um, work event that I'm going to be at, which means I'll be watching the game, but I won't have the time either side of it um, to be able to um, to bring you that stream. So I do apologise on that because I know we did that game last year uh, when Arsenal played at that particular friendly and we got a mad amount of people tuning in and the views were great and it was amazing and the comments were excellent. I really, really loved it, but unfortunately I can't do it this time. It's just fallen on a bad day for me. Um, but of course, we'll be bringing you reaction to that match. Analysis of that match will be bringing you up to speed with how it played out, all the rest of it the following morning. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to bringing you guys 
that episode of the show. Um, but as I say, lots of people sort of speculating about who's gone uh, on the trip to Germany, who hasn't. Where's this player? Where's that player? That's what I keep reading on social media. Look, I'm not even going to speculate about who's there and who isn't there because I think it's really, really difficult at this time. Arsenal might not want to show that certain players are there. Arsenal might want to keep things quiet as best as they possibly can. And um, there'll be players on different schedules. There'll be players who played international games who now come back that little bit later. Arsenal don't leave for their US tour until Sunday. And um, and I think that's going to be a little bit more telling. I think Mikel Arteta will want to have everybody back by then and, and be ready to go. Um, as best as possible for that, because that's where the real fine tuning is going to be done. I think this week um, is about fitness. I think last week was about fitness. Um, and obviously we played that game behind closed doors against Watford. But I think for me uh, right now, it's um, it, it's yeah, it, it's fitness for now. And then it's fine tuning and, and maybe some tactical work and all the rest of it going into that uh, US tour. That brings me nicely onto the subject of Declan Rice and Urian Timber, who we're still waiting for announcements for. By the way, guys, I think Declan Rice is currently away on holiday from what I've heard, uh, from what we've been told. We mentioned in yesterday's episode that he'd been spotted um, abroad or, or on a flight or in the airport or something along those lines, uh, which suggests that he's he's done that. Um, Charles Watts reported earlier that um, he has met with club officials or he has been in contact with some members from the club, uh, members of staff. What they've done, he couldn't say specifically. I can't tell you either um, whether they've done the media bits, whether they've done parts of the medical, I don't know. But what I will say is the same thing that I said yesterday. Don't panic, don't stress. This is getting done. Uh, but the guy's probably on holiday. And as I said, with all the deal wrapped up and everything seemingly in place, there's no need to rush it, right? The player's going to go on his holiday all the rest of it. And when he comes back, I'm sure that'll be done. But Darmesh Seth of Sky Sports uh, put out a tweet this afternoon in which he tried to shed some light on the situation. He said the intention is that Arsenal get Urian Timber in the door in time for that Nuremberg game on Thursday so that he can be a part of the squad. Um, and of course, they're looking to get Declan Rice uh, ready and in place by Sunday when they leave for the US tour so that he can take a part in that. So I think at some point this week, you're probably going to get both announcements. Like back in the last week, I thought it would come maybe today or at least one of them would come today. The more I hear, the more I read, the more I sort of listen to other people speaking about it, the more I think that actually this is something that could drag out towards the back end of the week. But that doesn't really matter as long as the deals are done. Um, Arsenal will want to get these players in sooner rather than later as well. So when people say it's Arsenal dragging their heels, no, it's not. There's obviously a reason um, why these things are taking so long. If it's Declan Rice, it's probably his holiday. Um, and uh, and that's fine. If it's Yuri and Timber, you know, there's probably something somewhere along the line that needs to be ironed out uh, so that... Um, so that that deal can then be uh, publicly announced. But look, his family were on social media yesterday uh, posting pictures of his uh, celebration party with a weird caption saying, uh, see you on the streets of London. I'm sure Yuri and Timber's not going to be living on the streets of London, number one. And number two, they spot goodbye wrong on the banner, which really irritated me way more uh, than it should have done. But anyway, um, that's kind of my roundup for today. 
um, haven't really got too much else to report. And, and that's because it's been a slow few days in comparison to the weeks that we had prior where everything seemed to be popping off. Um, but guys, uh, get involved in the chat box. Uh, let's have your questions. Uh, let's have uh, your thoughts. Um, I'd love to uh, to see what you guys are saying on the subjects that we've discussed. And if you want to talk about anything else, feel free to bring it up in the live chat. I'm going to take a very, very short pause. Don't go anywhere. Be gone for what? Two, three seconds. Stay with us. Fill up the chat box with your questions. Okay, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna. Aguna Vettel says, pretty sure no fans are panicking, Harry. It's just that they're killing the excitement of the signings. Uh, yeah, most fans are not panicking. Most fans feel like you, I'd imagine, where they're just like, oh, come on now, this is getting a bit tedious. And I, I feel like that as well. Um, I said to you guys just before we made the breakthrough with West Ham with regards to the offer that I was starting to get frustrated with it and I was starting to get annoyed with it and it was starting to play on my mind a little bit and drive me a little bit crazy and maybe there was a bit of paranoia kicking in because Arsenal have failed to do deals that we thought they were going to do in the past. I don't know. But yeah, I agree with you that it's killed um, the excitement a little bit as well. Uh, KC Clip says, hey, Hazard, not worried, but I'm over the rice transfer They've sucked the enjoyment out of this deal. I'm happy he's joining, obviously, but it's become a bit boring now. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, Kanin says they're still editing the release video. Maybe, but I do know some of the guys at Arsenal that work on the production side and they are brilliant and I'm sure uh, they will turn it around uh, very, very quickly. And I would argue that it's probably not even done um, for them to have not released it by now. I would say that maybe the medical happened, the part which needed to happen for the deal to be signed off and confirmed and all the rest of it, at least legally. And I guess the club announcement bit, it's not really time sensitive, is it? Um, in terms of, of getting the deal, the, the deal could be complete, but Arsenal just haven't announced it yet. Now, the announcement can come as and when Arsenal want to drop that. So I think the priority would have been, and I'm just guessing here, but this is the logical way of thinking about it, I think. I'm just guessing that they would have prioritised the medical if they only got to meet up with Declan Rice at one point and uh, and the rest of it can be done can be done a little bit later. Um, what have we got here? Uh, AJM Voice says, Harry, I'm on the same boat as you in regards to Vlavic. I think he'd be a different option. Other than him, do you have any bigger target man-like strikers who could fit Arsenal? It's really hard to say, um, really, really hard to say, because I think that Dusan Vlavic is is really one of the best big man target strikers that you got out there because he's not just that. I think there was a time where in football, you know, to be a, a useful centre forward, you needed to be a half decent finisher. Um, you know, I don't know, six foot plus or whatever. Um and uh, and you needed to to be physically very dominating. Now you need a lot more. You need intelligence. You need all those physical attributes I've mentioned. But you also need to be able to tie things together for the team and all the rest of it. And I think that Dusan Vlavic has those qualities. Erling Haaland would be the other one that you think of. Darwin Nunez, I don't think, is quite there yet. I think he will get there. He's, he's probably ahead of Vlavic slightly, I would argue, maybe at this point, but he's a little bit raw, a little bit rough around the edges. I'd argue Vlavic is a little bit too, but I think the potential is there. The raw material is there to turn him into um, 
what um what you want him to be um marco says uh, what are your thoughts on tierney i haven't really seen or heard any rumors about him leaving lately is he possibly here to stay yeah i wouldn't rule out him staying um i, I wouldn't rule him um out of staying i think that from what I understood, there was a conversation due to take place last week between him and Mikel Arteta around about what the future holds for him. And and off the back of that, we haven't heard anything positive or negative. Uh, we haven't heard anything to indicate whether or not Kieran Tini will remain an Arsenal player. So I've got no reason to believe that he's close to an exit, although I'm open-minded to the fact that we may hear of an exit for Kieran Tini between now and the end of the window. But as it stands, he is an Arsenal player and I've got no reason to believe that he's close to making a move anywhere else. I beg your pardon. Um, sneeze caught me off guard. Um, Moss says, Jacques uh, has gone now. What's the next sale or two, Harry? Um, I think Tavares is one that they'll probably want to move on quite quickly, a situation that they'll want to resolve quite quickly. I think Lakonga is one as well. Whether there'll be sales, though, I don't know, because... Particularly with Tavares, it feels to me like Arsenal are demanding quite a, a substantial amount of money, which I'm not sure there are going to be too many teams willing to pay. Is that them just setting up? They're still quite high from the beginning. Maybe um, will they have to come down to make a deal happen between now and then the end of the window? Probably. Um, but I would say Tavares, Lakonga are a couple of players that I expect to, to probably move on. Maybe even Cedric Suarez, you know, um, wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Patrick says, which team besides Arsenal do you think are having the best transfer window so far? Um, I think if they get a top striker in, I think Man United would, would have had a good window. Um, Onana is, is someone that they need because obviously they've lost David De Gea, but they need a particular type of goalkeeper to be able to play the Ten Hag way. I think Mason Mount's a good addition, albeit he wasn't at the top of the list in terms of their priorities going into the summer for me, but they've managed to do that. Um, and if they could get, you know, maybe one more centre-half in and a, and a centre-forward, I think they'll be in good shape. Uh, Cesar Barrigan says, I'm a usual podcast viewer and the advertisements don't even show up during your pauses. They usually happen in the middle of your show. As I've mentioned before, mate, the, the YouTube ads are different. Uh, if Because we put this content out cross-platform, right? So we live stream on YouTube and then we take the live stream and we put it out on audio as a podcast um, because we're trying to satisfy a number of different platforms. It's just impossible for me to tick every single box. So YouTube places the adverts in where YouTube places the adverts in. The pauses are designed for the uh, audio podcast, uh, which is still where we get the majority uh, of our uh, subscribership from. So that's why they don't always align uh, with those uh, those on YouTube. Uh, before we continue through, uh, if I could quickly ask you guys to leave a like on the video, that would really, really help. There are tons of you with us at the moment, but we've only got 89 likes on the board. There's no reason why we shouldn't have 250 at the very least. Um, what else have we got? Uh, um, <laughs> Paguma says, hypothetic, but would you sell Saka for 190 million to invest it in Caicedo and Vlavic. No, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't, no. None of those players as individuals are 
worthy of replacing Bukayo Saka. I know they play different positions, but in terms of Saka's value to us and their value and what it would be, neither of those two are worthy. Even as a combo, I don't think they're worthy. So no, not for me. Not for me. Uh, Gimme Box says, uh, no news on Patino's exit too. That's one I forgot, to be honest, when we, you asked me that question earlier on about who I think necessarily is next and uh, Patino could be one of them as well. To my understanding, I don't think he is on the tour, um, which kind of tells you um, all you need to know because some of the other younger players are there, including Ethan Waneri, Raw Waters, for example. Uh, yeah. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Nathaniel says, uh, Harry, I don't think Vlavic is a good target man since he's not very good in the air. I would rather uh, go and sign Ossiman for whatever cost it is if we plan to sign a target man. Yeah, but this is um, this is the difference, like, or, or this is the this is the point here, right? So I'm talking about Dusan Vlavic as an option because I know that Juventus are now open to selling him because of financial issues, because of the fact they're not in Europe, because they've got all this other stuff going on in the background, all the rest of it. Um, so because of that, I think. You know, there's an opportunity to be had there. It's not because I think that, you know, that he is better than Victor Osiman. But to get Victor Osiman, you're going to have to pay 150 million euros, probably at minimum. I'm talking about Vlavic being someone that we keep an eye on, depending on the circumstances, because I think we could get him at a much more reasonable price. Obviously, Osiman's a better player, and obviously, I prefer Osiman, but. Like, I, I don't see that as an opportunity that Arsenal could potentially pounce on. That's why I don't make that comparison. RM Star says, what about Thomas Partey? Do you think he'll stay at this moment? Again, I've got no reason to believe that he's going uh, or that he's close to an exit. There's been a lot of speculation over the last few weeks about Thomas Partey. Nothing has materialised just yet. And as far as I know, Arsenal haven't received an offer for Thomas Partey. Uh, there's been some contact on the player side from what we hear. Um, although it's just what we hear, but I don't know that Thomas Partey is close to an exit. Um, and I don't want him to go, to be honest with you. Uh, the Guna Talk says, Harry, what's your Arsenal YouTuber pet peeve? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Uh, big shout out to Tom, by the way. Get over and uh, subscribe to the Guna Talk TV. He's doing an amazing job. Closing in, I think, on 50,000 subscribers as well, which is amazing. Uh, so get over there, subscribe, all the rest of it. 8 a.m. shows, even from cars these days. Tom, you, you're you unbelievable, mate. Keep it up because um, your work rate is uh, is unbelievable. Um, yeah, make sure you go over and subscribe to Tom. What's my Arsenal YouTuber pet peeve? Do, do you mean as in what annoys me or what do I do that annoys people? I guess you're asking what annoys me. Um, I think it's spam in the chat. Like, I think it's when... Someone puts the same comment 57 times um, so that it will be read out and all the rest of it. Um, when I, like Sometimes people put comments in early on in the show, which are questions. And I'll say, look, when we get to the questions point, drop it in again, because the chances are that it's gone and I'm not going to be able to scroll that back uh, that far back to get it again. And that's fine if you, you rehash a comment then. But sometimes you get these accounts that pop in on YouTube and they post the same comment about 67 times in the space of like five minutes just so that you will read it. That annoys me. Um, that does annoy me because it just fills up the chat. 
Um, Sooty says Saka for Mbappe. Oh, come on. I don't have that affiliation with Mbappe. I don't have that connection with Kylian Mbappe because it just seems like a bit of a, a bit of a, I, I want to use the right word here. Um, just, he, he just isn't as likable as uh, Bukayo Saka. Um, but I think, yeah, as a player, Kylian Mbappe is probably the best footballer in the world um, at the moment. So yeah, you'd, you'd obviously consider that, wouldn't you? Although I'm not suggesting that I want him gone uh, or that I'd even be open to that idea. This is a very hypothetical question that you're trying to catch me out on. But um, all I'll say is Saka, I adore and love. Kylian Mbappe is probably the best in the world. So why not have one of them on either flank? <laughs> Right, uh, I'm going to take one or two more and then I'm going to jump off. Um, and probably as soon as I jump off, Arsenal will announce uh, a deal or something. I keep getting these notifications from Arsenal saying that they've tweeted something. Oh, look, here's another one. It's an ad for socios.com, thankfully. <laughs> Nothing more than that. Uh, right, uh, should we take one more? Should we take two more? What should we do? Let's take one more for now. Uh, Anthony TNG says, which other team do you think will challenge Man City for the title other than us? I think Liverpool will be better. Um, you know, if you base it on how they performed in the second half of last season, they were much improved. Obviously, it wasn't enough in the end to get them back into the Champions League, but they were much improved. And they were obviously doing some serious work to rebuild that midfield, which I thought was a really problematic area for them uh, during the last campaign. I think United, as I say, if they get a couple more players in, they will they will be a better side as well. I, I Obviously, as an Arsenal man, I'm not very fond of Man United, but I have to say that although there were inconsistencies and there were issues and, and there were games where they were really, really poor, I do think that Ten Hag will get it right and is moving them in the right direction. So I think with a few more signings, it becomes more of Eric Ten Hag's side rather than the side that he inherited. And then with that, you know, you'd expect Man United to progress further as well. I don't know what to expect from Chelsea. I think it's going to be a bit of a transitional year for Spurs. Um, Newcastle, can they keep up with what they showed last season? Maybe, you know, I, I don't really know what to make of Newcastle. I, would, I read Newcastle wrongly about halfway through last season when I said that I wasn't sure they'd be able to sustain the level, and they did. Um, so yeah, congratulations to them because they were they were excellent when it really really mattered. Uh, Baguma with a really random question, but I'm going to answer this. Wedding day of a friend? Do you wear a suit or casual? You, for me, you can't go to a wedding without wearing a suit. Now it can be a slightly more casual suit, of course, depending on the weather and where you are and all the rest of it, and the venue, blah blah blah. But you got to wear a suit to a wedding, man. It's just yeah, you got to. You absolutely have to. Uh, big hello to Dr. Smith, who's just joined us uh, as well. Just got in from work, says, hope you're well. Uh, I hope you are well too. Andrew says, just going back to the Vlavic thing, uh, Vlavic would be grateful to have an opportunity with this Arsenal team. We should embrace a young player if he's changed his thoughts um, and not hold silly grudges. I th when I started reading that comment, I thought you were going to be like, he should be grateful to have an opportunity with Arsenal. Get rid of him. Uh, sorry, don't let him come because he, he turned it down before or he wasn't as interested uh, before. But then when I read the rest of your comment, it became apparent to me that actually you think that, yeah, we should be there with open arms if that opportunity presents itself. And and yeah, I agree, man. Like someone can have a wrong view on something, a wrong opinion, and, and their opinion can change and their mind can change it. And, and this was one of the, I don't know if you guys saw it. There was a, a video going around from TalkSport the other day 
um, where I spoke to Rory Jennings about the Granite Xhaka thing. Um, and, and just for those of you that haven't seen it, basically the, the point was, his his point was that we shouldn't be pleased with Granite Xhaka and we shouldn't be proud of Granite Xhaka and we shouldn't be giving him this send-off because of what he did in that game against Crystal Palace and that he showed uh, utter contempt towards the club and all the rest of it. And my my view was, yeah, like what he did at the time wasn't ideal. Like we can all agree that it, it, a, a better reaction from Granit Xhaka would have made it easier for people to to get past the whole situation and all the rest of it. But we live in this world now, right, where everybody wants to literally hammer people for mistakes that they make and then never let them get past them. And it's mental to me. Like what happened to forgiveness? Like what happened to being open-minded? Like it, it's as if the people that drive these kind of narratives have never made a single mistake in their lives, have never said anything they regret, have never done anything they regret. I've done loads of things and said loads of things that I regret massively. And that looking back on, I'm ashamed of. But I can't go back and change that. So if I'm going to be penalized for that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, then what is the point? Like one of the things that people always say is, um, Whenever there's an issue, whatever that issue is, and there's a problem that is a, uh, what that feels like a systemic problem that goes on and on and on, the best way is to to get past it and to fix things and make things better is education. But if you've already condemned someone and you don't believe that they can ever get better because they made one mistake ten years ago, three years ago, two years ago, whatever it is, then then how can you be an advocate of education as well at the same time? That kind of hypocrisy drives me crazy. I know that was not what we were talking about. So apologies for the sort of sidewards rant and all the rest of it. But um, just going back to Andrew's point, like if Vlavic wanted Juventus, that was his prerogative at the time. It hasn't worked out. If he now wants Arsenal and a deal can be done, I wouldn't let what happened in the past, if I thought he was the right player and the right fit, if I were Mikel Arteta making the decisions, I wouldn't allow that to stop me from getting the man that I want. Um, and I wouldn't allow that to, um, yeah, I wouldn't allow that to basically kill the possibility of that deal ever happening. Uh, A says you do the same to Bowley because Chelsea do it over and over again. Um, Chelsea make mistakes and I, if Todd Bowley in five years down the line got Chelsea into a really, really good position, I would hold my hands up and say, look, at the time I thought he didn't have a clue what he was doing. Maybe he didn't have a clue at that point, but he's obviously learned. He's obviously improved and turned the ship around and I'll give him his credit and give him his flowers. No problem. Uh, no problem at all. People can be wrong. This It's not a crime to be wrong, um, but it's just this culture of like someone makes a mistake Let's make sure that they never, ever, ever, ever live it down. It drives me absolutely mad. But anyway, um, okay, going to leave it there. Uh, thank you all so, so much for tuning in, as always. Uh, there's around about 500-odd of you in the live chat right now. Uh, please leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. It really, really does help. We're nowhere near the 250 target that I set, which is a shame because it should be really, really easy. Uh, to get to, given how many of you are here. Like, doesn't cost a penny, all the rest of it. Subscribe to the channel as well if your brand's banking you as we push towards that 30,000 mark. I think we're coming up to around about 28,500, so we're not a million miles away. Um, but yeah, uh, any support in that would be uh, very, very much appreciated. If you're listening on audio, leave us a review as well, and I'll be back 
tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content, unless something significant breaks this evening. No, my luck. It'll probably break five minutes after we finish this episode. Catch you soon. All the best. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.